welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Matthew 14, starting in verse 13, continuing in our series, uh, A Greater Story. Uh, Let's pick up and read, see what God's Word says. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew. By, by boat privately in a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that you can go to the villages and buy the, and so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000, about, about 5,000 men besides women and children. Church, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, we love you. Man, just thank you for the opportunity uh, to open your word, God, to be here to sing with your people. Lord, I, I genuinely believe you have something special for us today. God, I pray for this time as uh, I preach your word, God, that this time would be nothing about me. Lord, I pray you would Humble me, and uh, Lord, that this time would be exactly what you want to say to your people. Uh, I pray that everyone's hearts would be ready. God, I know there's a lot of people coming in, uh, maybe hurt. Uh, some maybe going through some difficult things. Some uh, maybe just, uh, Lord, just, just need to hear from you and need to know you're good. Uh, Lord, you're, you're faithful, you're in control. And God, you know those needs. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that in this time as we commune with you the preaching of your word. And God, I pray for those who are taking next steps today. I got to pray you would bless us uh, as we continue to make disciples. Uh, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today's message is going to be all about uh, the miracle of multiplication, right? Take that with you, the miracle of multiplication. Uh, I've been excited for Sunday to get here since last Monday morning. When I was beginning to put this together, I just believe today is going to be something you need to hear. I believe it's going to be impactful for you for the rest of your life as we talk about what Jesus is able to do with just a little bit. But when we take a little bit of what we have and we put it at the feet of Jesus, he can make it more than enough. I want you to hear that. And it reminds me of my life, okay? Uh, I grew up in church, good man. If you've never heard my testimony, uh, it is basically the, fir- the good First Baptist kid who lived by all the religious rules and then went off to college and basically just found out that I, I didn't really know Jesus in my heart. Right? Like I went out and really when I got up under my shelter of my parents, my school, and all those things, uh, I began to see who I really was. And what I wanted to do is win the approval of other groups of people who did not know Jesus. And so I compromised all that had been taught to me, uh, and I really rejected it with my heart to get the world. 
And, and the funny part is, man, I, I went and wrestled at a Southern Baptist college. I remember going to chapel and just hating life at chapel because, man, there was this, this crummy old club, Club Maui. Man, I hit that place up a lot, right? And it was just a, a rough time because I began to realize that I was rejecting the very thing that had been taught to me. Well, then after two and a half years through some circumstances, uh, I decided to transfer to Georgia Southern. And uh, man, you know, the most godly school on the planet, right? Um, and so it was, man, it was looking good, right? So I leave the Southern Baptist College where I was getting chapel to go to uh, a school really, you know, maybe a little more secular. But by God's grace and in his providence, uh, I got to live in a, a single wide trailer. Uh, rent was literally $100 a month, praise Jesus. And uh, I lived with a guy named Billy Shiver. And so what began to happen uh, in this trailer is Billy had gone to a small group of men. And man, though he had grown up in church, some like me, he had met Jesus. And not on the surface level, but he was different. God had done something in his life. And, and I began to watch and, and see the way he lived life. And I was drawn to something more than showing up to a service on Sunday, doing what I wanted to do, and really going to bed hoping that I was going to go to heaven. And so I began to learn in him what it looked like to be a Christian. And so uh, much more through his actions than his words, uh, he led me to Jesus in that trailer right there in the middle uh, of Georgia Southern. And so uh, after I came to faith in Christ, all right, he said, Buck, okay, now uh, I need you to start a Bible study. And I said, whoa, Billy, wait a minute. We, we're, we, I don't even got the training wheels on this thing yet, right? Like what in the world are you doing? Wait, I'm trying to figure this out. And, and he said, nope, man, we, you need to do it. And little did I know, Billy had been watching Francis Chan and he had been learning. All he knew was that people were saying, you need to go make disciples. He knew very little of the Bible, but he knew that word of, uh, you need to go and make disciples. And you know what he did? He did the very best he could with where he was. He, he made one of his roommate and then commissioned us to start uh, a, a group of people or start a small group. And so in that trailer, okay, we went to a, a passion conference, came back, and we just began a Bible study. Me and a guy named Jake Ware and eight guys who all of them were just like us. We did not know a clue about the Bible. We knew nothing about following Jesus. We just kind of got some, some interest peaked. And, and all I did, honestly, was turn to the book of Romans because I thought it sounded cool. I was a history major, so I'd studied some about Rome. I'm like, oh, this is a cool book. Let's try this out, right? And literally, every week, I would pray. I would read and try and understand the best I could, and I would pray, God, if you don't show up, this is not going to go well, all right? And so these eight guys began to sit in a circle, or I'm sorry, on couches, and we just began to read Romans line by line and begin to try and understand it. And what I learned over that semester is that God was faithful even when we just gave him the little bit we had. I, I was just faithful with the little bit I knew. Literally, the first three years I was a Christian, I literally was reading Warren Wisby's commentary. We were reading it, and I was just telling them what Warren had told me, right? I mean, that was it. I was, that's all I knew. I didn't know anything different. But what I watched that semester is eight guys became 40 who were Indian style in that little trailer just wanting to hear the word of God. I wasn't teaching it. I was just reading it, and we were all trying to figure it out. And so it may have looked small, 
Billy may have felt like it was very insignificant that he had made a disciple of his roommate, that he was just faithful with our little small group of friends. But this is what I want you to know about that original eight. Three of them are now pastoring at Connection Churches, and right now as we sit, 2,000 people are hearing the gospel on their level. Yeah, that's amazing. And what that is, is the miracle of multiplication. It's the miracle of just reaching the one. Because you never know what God's going to do with that next one. And so the main thing I want you to see today is that Jesus is teaching his disciples to trust him with what we have, because even if it's small, he has the ability to multiply it and make it in abundance. That's what he's trying to teach uh, his guys here today, and that's what I want to show you. So take this thought with you. I want you to see in this passage, I want you to recognize the focus of Jesus, the focus of Jesus. So as we talk about multiplication, first, it's always good to look at what Jesus is doing. Anytime you're reading the Bible, before you look at the miracle, you need to look at the man. So listen, we want to learn what Jesus is doing. Um, And so read with me in verse 13. It says, "When when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat and privately, uh, by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Now, first of all, we got to see why Jesus is withdrawing. His cousin, John the Baptist. So imagine your first cousin, and not only is he his uh, blood relative, but John the Baptist was the first preacher of the kingdom of God telling people to get ready for Jesus. And so uh, as John was preaching, he was persecuted and a king literally had killed him, right? So imagine losing your first cousin. Imagine the hurt, the anger, the pain, and Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. He had to get reoriented around the mission. And so I want you to recognize the focus of Jesus. And I want to take this, uh, I guess it's called an acronym. Is that where the little words and you draw the words out? Is that right? Okay. Take this acronym with you. Jesus was laser focused. He was focused. Because what we see in the rest of the passage is that he gets back up. He begins to minister to the people. He teaches the disciples a lesson and he performs a miracle. But what if he had lost focus by this horrible thing that had happened in his life? No, he was laser focused because he had a mission to fulfill. He had a job to do. And so I was studying up on this. And, uh, you know, laser actually uh, means something. So with the L, the L in a laser means light. That the source of a laser uh, is actually light. The A stands for amplification, right? That means that this light uh, is, is amplified, it's amped up, it's a bunch of energy channeled together, shooting very directly at something. I was studying up on this, and literally, like, if you get a laser that's powerful enough, it can cut metal. A corroded piece of metal, if it goes under a laser with enough focus and enough channeled energy, it can literally take the corrosion off a of metal that it looks brand new, Right? And so uh, the A stands for amplification. S stands for stimulation, right? That it's a, it, it stimulates this, this something that happens when it shoots forward and it, and it hits something. It, it creates great change. The E stands for emission. It is emitting a light. And R stands for radiation. And man, there are terms all over the Bible for these things, 
But listen, when, when light is amplified and it, and it stimulates and there's an emission of this great light and there's a, a radiance about it, it creates great, great change. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus had a great work to do to, to train these disciples for three and a half years to do all that God had called them to do that he could not be deterred by enemies, by fatigue, by distraction. No, Jesus had to be laser focused because what we're gonna see is that he went to the cross and just like that corroded piece of metal, when we come to know Jesus, he takes away all our sin and makes us brand new. But for that to happen, he had to be focused with the time God had given him. So let me tell you something about discipleship. When we begin to focus our eyes on Jesus, we will begin to have his light. His life will be amplified in ours. Uh, we will be stimulated to move and go and do what he's called us to do. We will begin to emit the love of Christ that this dead and broken world is desperate for. And as we begin to focus on him, we will become the radiance of God here in the earth. That's what he's called us to do. But if we're not focused on Jesus and modeling his example of his focus on his father in the kingdom, we're gonna miss out on all God has for us. That's what Jesus is showing us here. He was laser focused because what he had to do is he had to train these disciples how to walk in power. We've talked about this. A lot of Jesus's ministry was training, right? Like he was only gonna be here ministering for three and a half years, but he had to train these 12 guys that when he left, they could continue his ministry. And what he's doing is training. So let's look at one, how Jesus dealt with his enemies. How easy would it have been, how easy would it have been for Jesus to become so bitter and so angry that instead of focusing on his men, the miracle, and the multitude, to just go and just want to strike down every one of them jokers that killed his cousin. You know, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. And in his fully manness, right, I'm sure he was angry. I'm sure he was hurt. I'm sure he was bitter that these guys had hurt him. And he could have easily said, bump that, I'm going to, to either go preach to these guys, I'm going to hurt them. And you know, he would have never made it to the cross if he'd have done that. He never would have made it to the cross. Now listen, many of us, you may have gotten knocked off track of all God's called you to be, that you could walk in his love knowing you're his son or daughter, being used by God for his purposes because someone has come in and has hurt you. And what it's done is it's knocked you off track and listen, Satan does not want you to flourish with the Lord. He'll send people to do it. And man, he'll send people to hurt you. He'll send people to hurt around you. Because the last thing he wants is for you to be loving God, me made whole, living at peace, and being effective for the kingdom. He exists for that not to happen. And so, one, maybe an enemy has knocked you off track, right? Um, maybe for some, okay, it's sidetracked you. But Jesus wasn't sidetracked. What did he do? Jesus was focused on the mission. I want you to see that. Look in verse 16. It says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. Talking about the multitudes. You give them something to eat. The mission was that 
that he had to train these disciples of how to feed people his bread. I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but he had to get back to training the disciples. He had a mission to complete, a ministry to fulfill. And then lastly, I, I want to show you this. We have to see how Jesus looked at the multitudes, the focus of Jesus. Look in verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. See how Jesus looked at the multitudes. It would have been easy to be frustrated. of like, y'all just give me a minute. I lost my cousin. I need, to, I need to commune with the Father. And no doubt he had some time to. It would have been easy with anger and say, bump all y'all. Half y'all ain't going to believe me no how. But Jesus looked and he was filled with compassion for the crowds. He hurt for them. He, he longed. He knew they needed him. And so I want to apply this to our life because, listen, anytime you're learning about Jesus, you're, you're becoming more like him. So let's look at these three focuses, okay? As Jesus looked at his enemies. Listen, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I letting the enemies of Christ take my focus off my relationship with Christ? Hear that again. Am I letting the enemies of Christ in my life and listen, this is not talking about atheists who scream at him. Anyone that does not know him, the Bible says that, that they're, they're not of Christ. That goes for good people who don't know Jesus. right? And so listen, um, are we letting people in our life take us off our relationship with God? Because someone may have hurt you and it's kept you in bondage. And what Jesus is wanting to tell you today is this. You don't have to live there anymore. Run to me. I'll begin to heal your wounds. I can do it. Now, I'm going to speak to the men, and this is some of my testimony here. Some of the reason you're not following Jesus is because you're trying your best to fit in with people who aren't going to heaven. You're, you're compromising who God has called you to be, to hang around with guys who treat their families terrible, who cuss and make funny jokes, and you're trying to fit in with them. And man, Jesus has called us to more than that. Look at our country, it's crumbling. We need men to say yes to Jesus. You forged the path in your circles. You forged the path in those friend circles. Listen, don't let men compromise who God has called you to be. Because I was in that bondage for so much of my life. And when, don't, don't ever forget and don't ever uh, uh, neglect what Jesus could do with just one life that decided to turn the tide and go a different way. Because the thing is, they may be funny and joke and drink and all those things, but they're looking for Jesus. And all that stuff just covers up the reality that they're not whole yet because they're looking for the bread of life. So I want to encourage you with that. That probably didn't feel very encouraging, but that's what it's doing. Listen, do you see people how God sees people? That's another question to ask yourself. Do I see people how God sees people? A great prayer lens for all of us, a great prayer we can all ask every day, God, would you give me eyes to see people how you see them? If people frustrate you, if, if people that are out there tearing the world down, if they frustrate you and like, I just don't want to deal with people and, and all these sorts of things, listen, uh, you, you got to ask Jesus to give you the heart because here's the deal, and I've always said it at our church, one of the reasons people aren't reached because church people judge people. Don't do that. Jesus didn't do that. He saw the crowds even at his worst, and he had compassion, and he was filled. Listen, if you struggle with that, I want you to take this thought with you. Don't see people for where they are. See them for who they could be in Christ. 
Don't see people for where they are. Because if they're tearing things up and not living uh, Christ-like, well, listen, if they don't know Christ, they're doing what we all will do if we're not following Christ. So it would be crazy to judge people who don't know Christ. They may have put you in, their, in, the, in that life so that you could share Christ with them. And that's what eliminates it. That's what we can see. And then lastly, Jesus was laser-focused on training his disciples. Listen, this is my greatest heart. I shared this either last week or the week before. But my greatest heart and Jesus' great, greatest heart is that you would become a disciple who makes disciples. A disciple who makes disciples. That's, that is his heart for you. And so what we do when we do that, we're going to experience the miracle of multiplication. And what I'm asking you to do today is to repeat the miracle of multiplication. Because we're about to see it here. I've experienced it in my life. I want you to taste and see it. Right? And so we recognize, we've talked about what Jesus was focused on. Now we're going to look at the miracle of multiplication. Uh, Take this with you, okay? Do not underestimate the power of a surrendered life. Read with me John 12, 24. This is what it says. It says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. And this is Jesus talking about himself, fully surrendered, literally dying so that others could have life. Well, in the same way, when we come to faith in Christ, we die to ourself, right? We lay our lives down. We fall to the ground and listen what happens. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. And just like Jesus dying on the cross has produced many seeds of faith in us, so if we will die to ourselves, we become a disciple, we begin to carry our cross, we will see many, many, many more come to know and follow Jesus. That's what he's teaching us, right? And I want you to think about it. God had to show me this, okay? Uh, many, many times, I, I remember thinking that success in ministry or as a Christ follower is to get people to come in, right? But really, it's all about multiplication. It's all about teaching people not to just hear about Jesus, but begin to learn and grow and, and learn uh, how to follow Jesus, right? Like how to actually live it out. All of us are going to go into homes, uh, living rooms, and workplaces that I won't be this week, but you will. Listen, Matthew 9, 35 and 38. I want you to read this. That's what it says. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36. It says, um, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is another part of this gospel. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That means they were looking for Jesus. And it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The workers are few. It says, now pray and ask the Lord of the Lord, uh, the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Listen, Jesus saw the crowds and he couldn't go to each person. There wasn't enough time in the day. In the same way, preachers can't go to every person in the time in the day. Listen, what he says, he told his disciples, would you pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers so that they may be sent out into the harvest field? Brother and sister, this is how the kingdom has always been designed to grow. It's for people to know Jesus, to be trained in Jesus, and to be sent out to do a great work for our Lord and Savior, Jesus. That's what he's teaching us here. This was how. Jesus didn't call us to add to the kingdom. He called us to multiply and make the difference for the kingdom. 
I think about it like this. Um, if we both, if two churches, listen, if two churches started, both with 100 people, and one church said, addition church said, we're going to put all of our energy into the best stuff ever. We're going to just invite people. We're just going to bring people to our gathering. And let's say they grow by 100 people a year. By most, that's, that's pretty good, right? Well, year one's 100, 200, two year, 300, three year, 400, four year, 500, five year. Well, okay, that's pretty good. But let's talk about multiplication church who trains their people to make one disciple. It starts out with 100. Year two, there's 200. Year two turns into what? Year three, 400. Year three turns into 800, right? Year, I'm about to run out of years, but you know the deal, right? Eventually in year five, you're at 1,600 people, not by just adding, but by multiplying, right? And that's what Jesus is teaching these guys. And listen, this is why I'm so passionate about discipleship. That's why I mention people coming to heart and soul, people being trained in connect group leader meetings, because uh, connect group leader training, because we want to saturate this community with the gospel, one home at a time, one school at a time, one workplace at a time. We want the gospel to go forth all over this place. And listen, if you weren't clapping, man, listen, get in the game, let's go laser focused because I think we would all agree whether you're a Christian not a Christian on the fence I'm just trying to figure it out this world needs a change it's rough it's broken it's burnt it's going to the ground but man we have a hope that God's called us to share okay so listen I want you to see what he's doing here read with me seven verse 17 through 19 the miracle of multiplication his disciples come. They said, listen, there's only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down in the grass, taking the loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples. And listen, this is so important. He gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. See, what is Jesus teaching his disciples? He was teaching them that no matter what you have, if you bring it to me, I can multiply it and make it enough. Bring what you have to Jesus. Listen, if it's 10 minutes of quiet time because your life's crazy, bring it to Jesus. He'll multiply it. Listen, if you don't speak very well and you're an introvert and you're like not a people person, listen, don't be ashamed of that. God made you that way. You just be faithful for where you are and what he's given you. Whatever talents you have, you may think you have none. Listen, even if it's writing a card to someone, you be faithful what you have. People need to hear about Jesus. Listen, if, if, um, even if you're in a, a rough place and you don't have a lot to give, you just bring what you have to Jesus. He'll multiply it. That's what he's teaching them. You come to me with what he has. And, and the main thing is this, and many of you, if you don't feel like um, you, you can give a lot, and you're like, I'm not well-trained enough. I don't know enough to, to partake in making a disciple and being a Christ follower. Listen, this is disciple-making made easy. These guys simply gave the people what Jesus had given them. They broke the bread. Jesus thanked it, and he just gave them the bread to give to the people. They didn't have to manufacture the miracle. They just had to distribute what Jesus gave them. That's why I tell you, you don't have to go to seminary before you become being effective. If half the people just said yes and did what God had told them to do with the little they had, it will grow and multiply. You'll never feel ready enough to make an impact, I promise. That's why faith's, in the, that's why faith's here, man, listen. So notice, you're not called to manufacture miracles. 
You're just called to distribute what Jesus has given you. And so, listen, let me quickly just share why. Why three? Th- let me just share why we should be disciples who make disciples. Because this, is, I know this is new for many. This was new to me when I started the journey. But three quick reasons. Number one, God's plan to reach the world is through making disciples. So first of all, it's his plan. We're just aligning to his plan. We don't have to manufacture some new cool way to do stuff. In fact, the more you come here, we're not doing anything new. We just want to do the first thing he said. Right? And so, one, it's God's way to reach people. Listen, God calls, us, uh, calls his followers to fish for men. So not only is he going to reach the world, but he calls the believer to fish for men. And then lastly, listen, disciple-making keeps us from boring religion. And I want to hit on this for a second, okay? It keeps us from boring the religion. Trying to live a morally good enough life, hopefully to get into heaven, stinks. And I would say a strong word, there's young ears in here. Listen, trying to be morally good enough to hopefully get to heaven is exhausting. But getting with brothers and sisters who are storming the gates of hell, it's exhilarating. Man, I, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to come here and play church. I don't want to dress up. I don't want to tell you stuff to make you think I'm good. I, I, I just want to reach people for Jesus. It's exhilarating. And I want to be a part of a church like that. And I believe in God's grace. That's what he has been doing. I believe there's more of it to come. And when we live on mission, we're we're not stuck in the mundane. Listen, we were not saved to come and maintain. We were saved to multiply. That's what we were saved for. Listen, Robert Coleman said it like this. We have not been called to hold the fort. We've been called to storm the heights. And that's the call of the church. And And we need to be caught up in this great story. You know, this series is called A Greater Story. It is the story of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. That is the part of this story we are caught up in. And I just want to do it well while we're here to do it. Amen? With every fiber in my body, that's what we're called to do. And so you say, well, but, well, how? How do I do that? Well, number one, it starts with just surrendering your life to Jesus. And really, that's the, that's, the big, that's the big part, is coming face to face with the reality that he's true, uh, he's good, he loves me, and Jesus did everything it took to forgive me of my sin. I don't care who you are, where you come from, You may have come in here not okay. Your circumstances aren't okay. Listen, it's okay to come in and not be okay. I'm just telling you about a Jesus who loves you too much to leave you that way. He loves you too much to leave you there. And and so it starts with surrendering your life to Jesus. You know, everything we do, we talk about next steps all the time. Heart and soul, right? Joining a connect group. Listen, that is for the set purpose of we just want you to know and flourish in your relationship with Jesus. That's why I talk about next steps so much. Because it's literally what we believe the church is designed to do is to help teach people to know Jesus and and to live out the mission. And man, we just want to meet people where they are. Because at the end of the day, all we care about is knowing Jesus and making him known in the earth. It's what we exist for. And so as we talk about how to be a disciple, how how to be a disciple that makes disciples, why? We go back and we look at the focus of Jesus. We recognize the focus of Jesus. We want to repeat the miracle of multiplication. All those that know Jesus, I pray this spurs you on to, to, to invest in your groups, man, to, to, to lead and to share. For parents, I pray you know that if you aren't fishing for people right now, 
Man, you've got, you've got fish in your own house. Start fishing as parents for your children. and Begin to teach them the ways of Jesus. And so, man, I pray you're encouraged and edified if you're a believer. But um, today, if you're on the fence or maybe you don't know where you stand, uh, what I want you to take with you is this. I want you to receive the bread of life. To receive the bread of life. There's a reason. Every time Jesus did a miracle, it was pointing to something bigger and greater. See, 5,000 partook in this miracle. In fact, it said 5,000 men. That means he fed more like 15,000. That's like the whole city of Dublin being fed in one afternoon with five loaves of bread and two fish. Man, so many saw that. But listen, the next day it's recorded in John 6. Jesus went into the synagogue to teach. And what he said is, I am the bread of life. And the reason he did that miracle is not so that they would get worldly bread, but they may receive spiritual bread, spiritual life. That they may receive Jesus. And sadly, many of the people who ate the physical bread turned away from the spiritual bread. See, it's very easy to, get the, to, to want the miracle and miss the man. And that what, the, what it's about is knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus as Lord. And I think about it like this, of, of receiving the bread of life, okay? I have a child who has a diet of like chicken fingers, uh, cheese pizza, and candy, right? And if dad gave no instruction, I'm telling you what's going to happen. It's going to be candy for breakfast. It's going to be candy for lunch. It's going to be candy for dinner. Can I get an amen, parents, right? But listen, if I don't begin to teach her and show her with this limited menu that you need bread, I'm going to show you what's going to happen. If I don't teach her that she needs bread, she's going to begin to eat candy every day. And it's going to look appealing every day. The, the, all, all this sweet candy. But listen, it has no nourishing value for her life. None. None. And it, and it literally goes in and does nothing for her body. And, and though she doesn't know it, it would literally kill her. But bread, bread gives life and sustains life. And this kind of bread, it ain't that John Durst stuff. Listen, this bread could keep you alive for a long time. It was nourishing. It was satisfying to the body. They, many of them, I mean, the Psalms, they ate water and bread and were, were, were full and they had vibrant life. This is what I want to let you know about the world's bread. The world chasing money, sex, status, pride, control, drugs, you name it. Listen, it is sweet candy that is starving you from real life. It is, it may, in, on, on Friday nights, it may taste sweet, but it is literally destroying you. And it's destroying those around you. It, it is literally bitter to the soul. And you may not know it, man, but it is, it is killing you. And this is why Jesus went to the cross. Because listen, when we come to Christ, we receive the bread of life. It is the one thing every soul on the planet, I don't care what country you're from. I don't care how you grew up. I don't care what you were raised in. Every soul, Bible tells us that God put eternity in the hearts of men. Every soul is hungry for the bread of life. Every single one. That's why I love preaching this, because that's what unifies this room. No matter where you come from, what you've done, you are looking for the bread of life, and we need it. We need it. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. And so today, if you've never tasted, would you taste the bread of life? 
Because all the things you've bitten into that have led you sour, relationships, all those things I mentioned, what if all those things were to lead you to hear the bread of life? And I'm just going to encourage you as I get ready to pray, don't wait. Come and receive the bread of life. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you. Man, thank you, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for who you are, what you did for us on the cross. And God, I I know you're here in this place. I know you're moving. And God, I I know exactly what it's like, Lord, to finally hear and desire to taste the bread of life. The Bible says, if we would confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And I believe there are some here today that need to taste the bread. And so if that's you today and you say, Buck, I know I do not have a relationship with Jesus, but that changes today. Don't care who's around. Don't care what it looks like. Uh, I would like to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand in this house today? Is that anyone here that would say yes and say, I need a relationship with Jesus? Give you guys just a moment. Lord, as we continue to pray, I know you're here in this moment, God. I know you're doing a good thing. So, Lord, I love you. I trust you. I thank you. Lord, your word says it goes forth and it does not return void. So, God, in this moment, no matter where we are, God, I pray we would realize what we have in the bread of life, our Savior, Jesus, and what he did for us on the cross, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.